Hello, 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 and welcome in to our first show of 2021. That's right, it's a Sports Kiki podcast, episode number 47. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer. Now, I don't have a lot of words of wisdom as we turn the page on 2020. Uh, Frankly, I'm not going to spend much time at all reviewing 2020 on the show today. We have to look forward to hopefully a much better and brighter 2021, but I just will say this on the last year of hell we just lived through. (sighs) We made it, and that is no small feat. If you are standing today listening to this podcast in early 2021, it means you've made it. You made it through 2020. That's something to celebrate. That's something to feel good about. Because we did it ourselves. We didn't get any help from the government, really. Totally let us down from ignoring COVID threats last year around this time to not setting up a testing infrastructure, not giving us the appropriate benefits, closing schools, arbitrary business closings. Every single one of our leaders has failed us. Pretty much every single one. I can't think of a single person, obviously, in the Trump administration, Uh, governor, mayor, I mean, errors riddled everywhere. We were failed up and down, like you read about, and we made it. I made it, largely thanks to my amazing family and friends. Uh, They gave me so much strength this past year, and if there is a good thing that came out of 2020, it is that I appreciate those bonds and relationships more than ever. Um, But yeah, (laughs) That's all I have to say. If you made it, feel damn proud because we were failed, failed, and continue to be failed on the administering, what is it, 3 million vaccines? I thought we were going to get to 20 million by early January. Just the failure never ends. We've been asked to sacrifice so much and we're doing it and we're getting through it. So be proud if you're listening to the show today. So what are we going to talk about on the show today? Well, I am coming up on my one-year anniversary without sports, but don't worry, I will not uh, have a dissertation of my greatest works. That's next week on the show. (laughs) But really, uh, with that milestone in mind, I wanted to look forward at the future in LGBTQ sports. And I think a lot of it starts with us, the community we have in our building at Out Sports. Uh, This is an unbelievable operation. I really feel rescued. Uh, I left my radio job in Boston at WEI to take a job in the State House. That did not work out. (laughs) I left after about two months. So, you know, desperately trying to get back into journalism, trying to get back into media. I saw the deputy managing editor position was open. It was posted like three weeks beforehand, so I was so anxious that I was too late, missed out on this great opportunity, Uh, but thankfully it all worked out, and this job has truly been a lifeline. I've met so many cool people. I'm so proud of the work we do, the stories we tell. I mean, we are a small-ass staff. For those of you who don't know, uh, it's, it's me, Don, Sid, and Jim. We have three great contributors, Ken, Carly, and Brian. Shelby as well does social media for us and posts as well. So we have, but it's 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 a really small group. And I think we pump out a lot of great crap. <laughs> so and that may sound like an oxymoron, but I mean it 
Um, I mean it in the kindest way possible. We pump out a lot of great stuff. We really do. And it's because we're all passionate about it. And it's because this stuff matters. Sports are so ingrained in our culture. It's what boys are told they're supposed to do and be into. I was looking back at Christmas videos. We were watching Christmas videos, my family and I, uh, over the holidays. And we were watching like 2003 or 2004. And my brother and I, all we got, sports books, sports jerseys, team jackets, baseball bats, lacrosse sticks. And I never even freaking played lacrosse. I I can't remember picking up that thing once, but apparently I really wanted it. And... (laughs) I mean, sports, it is, if you, if you are a boy, that is what you're told through culture, through advertising, through learned behavior, everything you are told sports, 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 sports. And my brother and I latched onto that. Now he's Karl Marx Jr. I still am closer to the sports world, but I mean, as a kid, I really, it was, it was all we did. Every weekend was spent going to travel games, baseball games, uh, football games, practices. I mean, if you were a basketball player in my town, uh, in my hometown, you played in like three leagues if you were good. You played, obviously, travel basketball and then into high school basketball, but you also played AAU. You also played the crappy in the crappy town rec league where people like me who could barely hit the rim played. I mean, if you were a travel player, like a good player, what what benefit do you get playing against the, the, the in this crap league? But everyone did. It's all people did. It, it's our entire lives. And I say that, because sports for so long have been an exclusive place. Uh, Gay people have been told you do not belong, either through signs, either through casual homophobic language, either through a a million reasons. I mean, we we don't need to go through it, but we know that sports have been an exclusive place, largely through their history in terms of gay people, LGBTQ people, and we still see a lot of powerful people working to make them exclusive with the anti-trans legislation we see passed all over the country. Uh, So... At OutSports, we work to make them more inclusive, and these stories matter. And as I said, we're passionate about these stories. Our most read coming out story of last year was the case of Brock Weston, a college hockey player at Marion University, a small school in Ohio. Uh, His entire life, uh, you know, players were cocksuckers, the F word was thrown around, any, you know, and that's the way it was at my lunch table all through school as well that these were these were just, these words were just so casually thrown out there uh so obviously he has a lot of fear coming out and he came out to his hockey team in a locker room speech and he says that those who he thought would be the least receptive some of them wound up being the most receptive and it surprised him and that's what we talk about all the time that in these coming out stories One of the common themes is the surprise at the support that is actually out there. But it's support that's growing. You know, we are into 2021. I look back on my high school days. I graduated high school in 2011. So, well, 10 years ago. Look at that. I do not plan to go to my anniversary um, or my reunion, whatever they call it. You can tell tell how interested I am in it. Uh, But... um, you know, going back then, right? So I was a freshman in 2007. Yeah, 2007. I graduate in 2011. I think the culture has even changed so much from then. I mean, it's it's astounding to me, the cultural change 
that it seems like kids have gone through over the last 10 years. In 2007, Sid Ziegler published a book titled The Outsports Revolution, and now we're really seeing the fruits of that revolution. Just, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable, the, the change in mindset that we see. And that's not to say that it's perfect. I mean, I mentioned... Uh, the the barrage of anti-trans uh, policies and lobbying and legislation that's done in scare tactics and fear-mongering and so many of the things that were said uh, to demonize gay people are now said to demonize trans people. Oh, they'll molest your children in the bathroom. Stay away. This and that. It's it's the same kind of crap. And I do mean crap there. <laughs> um, it, it, it is. But Stories like Brock Weston's change that, and the stories we tell on a regular basis change that, and and everybody who comes out is a standard bearer in their own community. So, in 2021, we will see more athletes come out. That is inevitable. We don't have official numbers on this, but each year, I would venture to guess, more and more athletes are coming out. We'll continue to see this trend in 2021, and I think the stories will carry familiar threads. A lot of fear, a lot of trepidation, and then you come out. And you can exhale. And that is a lot of the stories that we see. And these stories are so important because there are so many people out there who are afraid, who are closeted. And visibility matters so much. And visibility and saying, I am here, is really how you change things. And you look back at the Outsports archives. My first introduction to Outsports was not the coming out stories, but it was that whenever an athlete said something anti-gay, Sid would be interviewed on WEI in Boston. I mean, that was really my first introduction to out sports. And those incidents used to happen all of the time. I mean, you had Tim Hardaway in 2007. I hate gay people. Chris, that's literally exactly what he said. I hate gay people. He said that on the Dan Lebitard show in 2007. Chris Culliver, 2013 at the Super Bowl, saying he wouldn't accept a gay teammate under any circumstances. Uh, Stupid controversies like Mike Piazza and Troy Aikman vehemently denying they're gay. I mean, I understand you don't want people to think you're something you're not, but I always thought that the vehemence in which Piazza and really Aikman, too, denied being gay. I always thought, I mean, why? And what if people thought you were? Like, I mean, they're not saying you're a criminal or anything. I, I think there are worse things to be to be called or to be insinuated. So we don't even see stuff like that anymore. I mean, the discourse, and I do hate that phrase, but I'll use it here. The discourse has totally changed. Every league has LGBTQ outreach at the corporate level. Players, the best players, express pro-LGBTQ views. I mean, I truly do think that the world of elite male team sports is ready for an openly gay active player. We've seen it, Jason Collins. We've already seen it. And when Jason Collins came out, what happened? LeBron, congratulations. Kobe, congratulations. And remember, Kobe uh, once made an anti-gay remark to a referee. And he's an example of somebody who evolved over the years and showed that evolution is possible. And, you know, uh, that was obviously a great loss in 2020. And it was a great loss because of, what Kobe became as, I mean, as a as an ambassador to the sport and as an ambassador for inclusivity, a huge proponent of girls basketball, and a became an LGBTQ ally at the end of his life. And you saw the support he expressed for Jason Collins. And I, I, so, yeah, I don't know when it will happen. And Sid and I talk about this all the time. I mean, it's a question that uh, you know I'm finding less interesting, quite frankly. I mean, the real interesting stuff are these 
high school, college age athletes, these athletes who we profile, you know, rectally get, you know, the athletes who are coming out. The question of, ooh, when's, when's the football player going to come out? I mean, it's, we've been debating it for so long at this point, come out and then we'll talk about you, but it is inevitable. It will happen. I mean, there are fears and a lot of the, and th- some of those fears are justified. It is scary because there is still so much casual homophobia and sports are still so heteronormative at their cores. Um, so those fears are justified. And as I said, we have a ways to go. But again, I go back to the thread and our coming out stories. People are surprised at the support. And I think that would be the experience of the first football player, baseball player, another basketball player who comes out while playing. I think they will be surprised at the wide at the at the widespread support and I think uh it won't be that big a story frankly. It will be a big story for the day couple of days, but the news cycle moves really quickly and then it'll be done. Really? I mean, this would not be a weeks-long, months-long saga. You would not have paparazzi following the team uh, day in, day out for months on end. This would not be an international sensation. I mean, really, it would happen. It would be a big story that day. And then everyone would gradually move on. And by the end of the week, uh, it would be like ancient history. I mean, really, I, I, I do think that. So 2021, was this the year? Was I don't know. And Frankly, I mean, it'll happen when it will happen, but it will happen. Uh, So that's my thought as we get to 2021 on where we stand in LGBTQ sports. Obviously, the fight right now is trans inclusion. And as I mentioned, you're seeing so many of the fear monger tactics that were used against gay people now used against trans people who are so brave. And I am in awe of their bravery and courage every day. Um, So... That's, of course, stories we follow throughout the year. That's what we do at OutSports. Another story that I am very interested in and have written about a bit over the last few months is the state of college sports, and specifically to us, the elimination of non-revenue sports. And you know, I wrote about Brown's men's track and field, and then the players organized with, of course, LGBTQ uh, players, runners organized with, of course, LGBTQ athletes at the front of that, and... That decision was reversed. The Brown men's track and field team was reinstated. But Minnesota, their track and field team tried a similar thing. Unfortunately, we're not successful. So Minnesota cut its track and field team. We covered that. And Dawson Lawrence, another gay runner at the forefront of that fight. Stanford Volleyball, uh, one of 11 programs cut this year. Uh, Iowa, shelving gym- gymnastics. There are now just 14 men's Division One gymnastics programs left. And of course, we're seeing all of these cuts being made now due to COVID. The schools say they have these massive budget shortfalls and they have to cut. They can't sustain 18 varsity sports, whatever the number is, even though the savings are minimal. I mean, the savings are almost non-existent in the grand scheme of things. I mean, these schools are claiming budget shortfalls in the tens of millions of dollars and athletic departments, budget shortfalls, tens of millions of dollars. And, and you save like 700,000 if you cut the, the gymnastics team. I mean, really, but that's what they say. They cite COVID, but the truth is, I think, and the more I read about this and think about this, I believe it even more. Athletic directors have been clamoring to cut these sports for a while. The college sports system is broken. I read an excellent piece 
in Sports Illustrated, titled It Took a Pandemic to See the Distorted State of College Sports by Michael Rosenberg, and it is dead on. Absolutely dead on. It's really about how revenue sports are college athletics. When we say revenue sports, we mean football and basketball. It's about unpaid athletes playing for the TV revenue. And when schools get that revenue, they spend on football coaches and football facilities. And some trickles to basketball, and that's pretty much it. And the non-revenue sports are cut out. Uh, You know, there, there was so much talk this fall about how college football players wanted to play. And they did. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Big Ten players. There were all these campaigns, college football players wanting to play. But so did every other college athlete. I mean, name me a college athlete who didn't want to play his or her sport this fall. They're athletes. It's what they do. So many, many of them are on scholarship. I mean, of course, they want to play. But football players were the only ones who were listened to. Why? Because they make the money. So the administrators can get paid, so the coaches can get paid, and so they can build that brand new gym that they don't need. The article looks at the University of Cincinnati as a case study, and it's a good one. If you go back to April, Cincinnati decided to cut its men's soccer program, saving 726000 So things are so dire for the University of Cincinnati a state university, that they have to cut their soccer program, saving about 700 grand. And that is so important to them. Fast forward to August, the school bumps the pay of the football coach. Luke Fickle was making 2.3 million. In August, his pay got bumped to 3.4 million. So somehow, the University of Cincinnati found $1.1 million buried under the couch cushions even though they had to cut men's soccer to save 726000 Did they really have to cut men's soccer, or did they just want an excuse to cut it? And then what happened to their football team this year? They're left out of the playoff. They're undefeated. They beat every ranked opponent on their schedule. Only play, I think, two one-possession games all year. I'm fresh off a uh, CBS Sports radio stint, can't you tell? Because <laughs> I have Cincinnati's schedule memorized. But... Uh, So, and they're left out. They're left out of the playoffs. So they don't even get in the playoff because college football is dominated by like five or six schools. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Georgia. I mean, a Pac-12 school has not made the college football playoff in four years. Uh, Pac-12 is like an afterthought nationally now. It's really, there is no parity at all in college football. But yet, the coaches at every, all these power five, all these schools, I mean, Cincinnati's not even power five in all these schools. They just get paid more, 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 more. Uh, Minnesota is another example cited in the article and important to us because, I mentioned, we covered the uh, elimination of the men's track and field team and other non-revenue sports. Uh, So last year, what happened? Minnesota gave its football coach, P.J. Fleck, a million-dollar raise to $4.6 million. So then this fall... When the athletics department has to cut, what do they do? Do they ask Coach Fleck to take a pay cut? Maybe, you know, slash that million-dollar raise that, you know, you probably didn't need or deserve? Nope. Instead, they cut three men's programs, gymnastics, tennis, and I mentioned track and field. And combined, the savings are minute. I mean, one of those sports being cut does not save a million dollars, which is what you gave P.J. Fleck, your football coach, a million-dollar raise, and then you cut sports. 
This is also in the article. Nick Saban, when he left Michigan State for LSU in 2000, he became just one of a few coaches who were earning more than a million dollars a year. This year, four Ohio State assistants alone made at least a million dollars apiece. This is not an economic issue. This is a matter of mindset. This is what Rowdy Gaines said in the article. He's an Olympian and NBC Sports uh, commentator. I hate saying this, but I really believe that most, not all, athletic directors only want football and basketball, he said. If you back them into a corner and put them to a lie detector test, they'd fail miserably. If they said they loved these other sports, they are just, if they, they, uh, they'd fail miserably if they said they loved these other sports. They are just a headache. ADs want them to go away. They've got enough to worry about with football and basketball. Why worry about crew? Why worry about gymnastics? They're a weight around my neck. I got to show up at their meets and I got to pretend I like them and I don't. That's what Rowdy Gaines says. Uh, again, Olympian, NBC Sports, gymnastics commentator. And he's right. I think he's right on the money. Just look at it. It doesn't add up. These schools have all these massive budget shortfalls, they say. And yet they're giving football coaches raises left and right. They're paying assistant coaches a million dollars a piece. Why? These, oh, so many of these are public universities too. Don't we think that in these times especially that money could go to better use than paying the strength and conditioning coach 850 grand? Yeah, I, I, I think so. So huge story as we look ahead at 2021. I, I think unfortunately we'll see more of these non-revenue sports cut which harms LGBTQ athletes, it harms social mobility, it's so painful and needless. We can't lose these non-revenue sports. So where that again, a lot of LGBTQ athletes participate in. So that's why the fight's personal for us, and that's why we'll continue to cover this story. Uh, I say this at the end of every episode, and I mean it. If you have any topic ideas whatsoever. Drop me a line. My Twitter handle is at AlexReamer1. That again is at AlexReamer1. Uh, had some kind words last week for our interview with Micah Porter, uh, champion high school track and field coach. He came out later in life. Uh, he talks about his bout with alcoholism, coming out in his 30s after already being married and having two kids. And just a story. It's a story of evolution. It's a story of introspection. It's uh, I enjoyed the conversation and it's always good when those of you listening enjoyed uh, hearing it just as much as I enjoyed participating in it. So that's a wrap on episode 47. It's a start to 2021. And I'll talk to you all next Saturday. So long.